create in me a clean heart, O Lord God, and renew a right spirit within me. That word right actually means a constant spirit. Amen? It means a constant walking by God's spirit, a constant direction by God's spirit, a constant depending upon the Lord, and a constant allowing of the Lord to change us more and more into His image. It's often been said that salvation a lot of times can be the easier part to come to. Sanctification is the much more long, drawn-out, and difficult part, amen? But if we will allow the Lord, He is literally changing us more and more into His image, amen? We have not arrived, and we will not arrive, as Paul has said, I count myself as not have to attained or apprehended, amen, in Philippians chapter 3. But this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, I reach forward to the things that are before, amen. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So there is a constant moving within us, a constant pressing of us more and more towards the Lord. And church, I want you to know it is a journey, amen. But in this journey, one thing we should keep looking at is that maybe we will never arrive, amen, on this side of glory. But if we can be better today than we were yesterday, amen, we're still increasing in the Lord. We're not backsliding and we're not falling back, amen. So it is a constant moving towards the Lord. As John would say, I must decrease so that he can increase within me. And church, that only comes from truly walking in a changed heart of the Lord, amen? Allowing His new affections to become our affections, new eyesight, new wisdom, new care, new concern for the things of God. Things when I was growing up and I did not know the Lord, I could care less about the things of God and His will and His kingdom and His people. But now that I have become one of His, amen, it's my very heartbeat for those things, amen, not just for my own self, but for others, amen, that are also of the sheepfold, and not just of the sheepfold, but those that are lost, those that are hurting, those that are dying, amen, it is the heartbeat of God to also bring them into the sheepfold. That's why it's so important for us to continue to walk and grow in the Lord, because we never, ever know who is watching us, amen, who is actually watching us and watching our walk and learning from us, and also how they can increase in the Lord, amen? So it's a very important place and position that God has us in, and I don't think we should ever lose sight and focus of that, that we are in a very important place where the Lord has us moving and has us operating, amen? It's all, amen, for the work of His glory and for the work of His kingdom, for all things work together for good, for those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose. I see the getting to know our neighbors, amen, when people will have verses up here. I think, who was it this morning? Was it Sister May? It was Sister Matilda. I know it was one of the sisters that was up there, but that was also her favorite verse. And Sister Sharon, I think that's one of your favorite verses, if it's not your favorite verse. But it is a very powerful verse, amen. It tells us very clearly and very simply that you're going to have hardships, you're going to have trials, you're going to have tribulations, you are going to have difficulties, but I want you to know, amen, I'll take all those difficulties and I'll work them out for good if you are mine, amen, if you are mine. 
Hallelujah. What a wonderful, loving God we serve. Well, church, tonight I didn't want to take up a lot of time teaching, but I did feel like it would be right and proper and just to get us thinking about the healing of the Lord. Amen. So I just want to cover some verses with you tonight, and then what I'm going to have us do, I'm going to have us all come up, and I want us just to begin to pray and seek the Lord. And anybody that has prayer requests tonight for specific healing, I want us to all pray together. Amen. For that healing, and I have faith tonight, amen. My faith joined with your faith, amen. We can move mountains, amen. amen. Y'all yeah, remember the gentleman, he had palsy or he had something of that effect, but we know that he was in the bed, and we know that Jesus was there in town, and the crowds were all around him. He was in some type of home, they oftentimes were ministering each other's homes. But the men with him said, basically, told him, and our vernacular said, we believe that if we can get you down to this meeting and we can get you before Christ, God will heal you. Amen. God will touch you and he will heal you exactly where you are, exactly in that condition. And he had faith in them and he had faith in the Lord. When his faith joined with their faith, I don't know how they carried that man in his bed, but I would think if it was any type of bed that's similar to ours, you had to have multiple men, probably at least four men. You had to have one on each corner and they had to steady that bed and they had to keep it level. And as they got down to the place and their hopes were full and when they got there, they saw the crowds and they knew they could not get that man before Christ. But instead of being stopped by the crowds, instead of being stopped by the multitudes, instead of being stopped by their circumstances, they allowed their faith to rise even higher than what it was. And when their faith rose even higher, they looked up on the roof of that place. And a lot of those houses at that time was like tiles was up on the roof. And so they had to somehow heave that bed up on the roof. I don't know if they had ropes. I don't know exactly how they did it. The Bible doesn't tell us. But even when they were doing that, when their faith was even rising up, literally trying to get on that roof, they still had to keep that bed level so that that man didn't fall out. And as they got him up on the roof, it says they removed those roof tiles and they literally lowered that man down before the Lord. Because their faith had brought them to that place and when he was before the Lord, hallelujah, the Lord not only healed him of his physical condition, but the Lord healed him of his sins. And that man, hallelujah, took it up. And he walked out of that place, amen. Church tonight, amen, I believe that if we will join together in faith tonight, touching and believing, amen, that God will heal tonight. Come on, do you believe it tonight? Do you believe with me? In Unity Prayer Center. It doesn't have to be some great big special meeting. You don't have to go hear some big preacher. You don't have to go to big some big tent. Amen. God is with us. Amen. And he's the same yesterday, today, forever. And I believe, hallelujah, tonight that he wants to touch somebody. Maybe he wants to touch you tonight. Maybe he wants to touch all of us tonight. Church, do you believe with me? Hallelujah. Give him some praise tonight. Man. Mm. I just want to cover some verses with you tonight before we begin to pray. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 15. The book of Exodus 15. I just want to show you how we serve a Lord that always healed from the beginning. Church, it has always been God's will to touch His creation and heal us of all of our infirmities. Amen. 
That has always been God's will. God created us for fellowship. Church, did you know that he created us to live forever? In fact, he created mankind so great, so strong, amen, that the first man that was created lived some 900 and what was it, 30 years he lived, 930, 950 years I think Adam lived. But even with sin in his life, he still lived that long. He still almost lived a thousand years because God created him so perfectly. Even when sin entered into mankind, man still lived a very, very long time. God created us for fellowship. So it is God's will, God's desire to touch mankind and heal him of his infirmities. God always had a love. God always wanted to pour out his love. He always wanted to touch creation. And we see God healing the multitudes when Jesus was walking in this earth. We see God delivering people. We see him doing great and mighty and wonderful things. Amen. All through the great word of knowledge. But it tells us this in Exodus chapter 15. They would come to a place called Mar, which basically means bitterness. They had escaped the wrath of Pharaoh. They had done all those great things. God had led them out of there. The great plagues had come and God had delivered them. They were full of abundance. They were full of riches. And they were literally following the Lord now in the wilderness. A place with no food, no sustenance. A cold place at night. A hot place during the day. Nothing was there but the Lord. And they were walking and depending upon Him. But they had began to get thirsty. And so they came to this place... And as they tried to drink of the water, the water was bitter. The water needed to be healed so that they could drink and partake thereof and continue forward with sustenance. So they began to cry out to the Lord, and it says that the Lord showed Moses a tree. And when he broke that tree and he placed it into the waters, amen, the waters were healed. Now, I won't get into the whole message with this tonight, but this basically also signifies the tree, amen, that Christ was placed upon the cross of Christ. And when the cross of Christ, God sacrificed, God shed blood, God sacrificed on our behalf, it doesn't matter what it touches, amen, it brings that healing virtue, it brings life to any situation, anything it touches, amen. We were lost, dying, going to a devil's hell until we encountered a risen Savior, hallelujah. And the Bible tells us that because of his sacrifice, because of his shed blood, you and I can have life everlasting. We can have the abundant life. We can have all the blessings that God died to give us. We can have peace that surpasses all understanding. And you and I can be healed. Amen. We can be healed. But in verse 26, which is the verse I want to start with tonight, it says, And he said unto them, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord... Thy God, and you will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. So, this is another name that the Lord gives himself, another title proving. His character, amen? And he says, actually, when you look at this in Hebrew, it's Jehovah Rafika, or actually, as we would say, Jehovah Rapha. And what actually that means, I am the Lord that healeth thee. And where they got this name from is they 
would take it from, it was like a large machine, as we would call it, or a large working contraption that was almost like a loom, amen, where they would make different fabrics, they would make probably tents together, they would make clothing, they would make carpets, they would make different types of fabric, and you would have like a weave, and you would have all these different strands that would go down, sometimes it was 10, 12 feet long, and they would take the weave, and they would put this strand with that one, they would put this strand with this one, and they would basically break that thing completely apart until it may have up to a hundred different types of strands of thread or material, and they would take that, and they would move them together, and they would cross hatch them, and they would do all the things to where it would basically come out and make some type of fabric. But in order, as they would move that thing, it would begin to shake. So what they would do, they would take rocks and they would put rocks on one end of that thing because it was long and it would begin to shake and they would be able to move these things easier when it was moving as they were working it. But the rocks would begin to hit together. They would begin to strike one another. And when these rocks would strike one another, they would make a sound like rock. Ra, ra, as they would begin to hit one another. So what the Lord was basically telling them, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am not only the God that heals you, but I am the God that is going to break you open and everything is going to be exposed. But I am also the God, hallelujah, that is going to weave you back together again once I have taken out, hallelujah, everything that was not for you. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Church, that's the God we serve tonight, amen? That's the God we serve. Now, also in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5, you don't have to turn there tonight, but he tells them, I quoted the verse this morning, this is the verse where he says, I was wounded for your transgressions, I was bruised for your iniquities, that the very chastisement of your peace is upon him is upon me, and by his stripes, amen, we are healed. So we see through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that the healing, amen, of the Lord is available unto you and I. It's not something that's foreign. It's not something that should be feared. It's not something that we should look at and say, this is not for us as believers, but instead it's quite the opposite. It's something like the abundant life, like salvation, that God died to give us, amen? And because God died to give it to us, we should avail ourselves to everything that the Lord died to give you and I, amen, and healing is also available unto us tonight. Before we get into that, I want to go through just a few instances, circumstances in the Word of healing, even in the Old Testament, moving into the New Testament. Turn in your Bibles tonight to 2 Kings chapter 2. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse 19. I had briefly touched on these verses, I think, Wednesday or Sunday, last Sunday night. But we're going to look at them in a little more detail tonight. 2 and 19 of 2 Kings. And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray you, the situation of the city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is not and the ground is barren. So we see them coming to the prophet, once more coming to the man of God, coming to the representation of God, and speaking the problem unto the prophet. 
As you can see, the place that we're living, the place that we're dwelling, we really like this place. We like the atmosphere. We like the people. We maybe like the climate. Come on, it's like being in a church, amen? It's like sometimes being in a church, you know, I really love the people. The people are really loving. The people are really this. I love how welcoming they are. I love this. I love that about the church. But there's just one major problem that we got going on here. Even though we really love the place and it's really pleasant, amen, there's something that is majorly wrong with this place. You see the water that flows up into this place that saturates the ground, that gives us sustenance, that gives us life. It's not flowing, amen, and as it flows, it's like poison, and so it's making the ground barren. Everything we try and plant here, it will not grow. Everything we try and put here for future purposes, it will not come up. Even though we really like this place, this place is like poison, and there is no future here. The ground is barren, and the water is no good. Anybody ever been anywhere like that? Thank the Lord this isn't that place, amen, at Unity Prayer Center. Amen. But they speak to the prophet and tell him this problem. The ground, the source of life needs to be healed. What we're putting into us needs to be healed. It needs to be corrected. It needs to be rectified. And he said in verse 20, Bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. He says, Bring me a new vessel. Come on, not the old wineskin. You can't put new wine in the old wineskin, amen, because it can't handle it. He says, Bring me a new vessel. We need a new vessel of the source of life. How many of us know that this old life is decrepit? This old life is dying. This old life has no future. But my Bible, my God tells me, hallelujah, that there was a Savior that died on the cross for me. Amen. And as He died, He rose again to newness of life because death had no power over Him. And my Bible tells me that I can have eternal life. I can have abundant life. I can have healing. I can have all those things not through this old body, but hallelujah, He shall take this body and it shall be dead and buried, but I shall rise again to newness of life. I shall also be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of us know we need a new vessel? Amen. Not the old way, not the old vessel, but a new vessel. And that vessel, hallelujah, is being new creations in Christ Jesus. He says, put salt, put the preservative, put the flavor into the new vessel. And as they done that, he went forth into the spring, the source of the waters, and cast the salt in there, and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters, there shall be not, there shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. And the word tells us that so the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elijah, which he spoke. Church, I want to tell you tonight, when we start thinking about healing, it's not just your physical body. It can be the very place that you live, the very place that you dwell, the very place that you associate with. Come on. God died to provide all types of healing for you and I today. Come on. He's the God that rips us open. 
and he's the physician that sews us back up again. He is Jehovah Rapha. Amen. Give him some praise tonight. My Lord. Mm. Now turn with me over to 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm not going to get much out of 2 Kings, so y'all don't get nervous tonight if you're flipping through your Bible. Now this is one of my favorite stories in the entire Word of God. I'm a bit of a dreamer myself, amen, and this just has a dreamlike story to it. I love this story. I, won't, I don't have time to preach to it all tonight because, like I said, we're going to pray. We're going to spend some time praying tonight. But basically, there was a man. He was a general of the Syrian army. His name was Naaman. He was a, a big-to-do man. In fact, the king depended upon him greatly. And the king actually cared about him. But this man had a problem within that was taking away his life. Just like you and I oftentimes have a problem. You see, he had leprosy. And we know leprosy, it does many things. I won't get all into it. But basically what it does on the inside is it numbs things. It creates decay. It does all those things. But basically it gets to the point to where you can't feel any portion of your body. So over time you begin to bump into things. Come on, how many of us begin to run into things, run into each other, and over time end up killing ourselves by everything that we're bumping into in this life. Leprosy was on the inside of him. It was an internal problem. Leprosy in the Old Testament represents sin in our lives. You can't always see it, but it's the effects. And so he was dying. There was no cure for leprosy. And so the king and everyone had sent him to all the best doctors. They had sent him to all the best physicians of the land, everybody, everywhere. But there was a little Jewish girl who was actually a slave who had been taken into captivity. And she makes a comment to his wife that said, Oh, if my Lord was just over in Israel, if he would just come into contact with the prophet, the man of God, he would be touched and he would be healed. Church, I'm going to tell you, that's a bold statement right there. They had believed in her, and we don't know all the situation with the young girl, but I want to say they had believed in her faith so much by the way she spoke it, by the way she lived her life, by the way she expressed it. They believed it. So Naaman goes to the king, and he says, I hear there's a prophet, there's a man of God that can heal people of their leprosy. So the king writes a letter over to the king of Israel basically saying, I'm going to send my man over there and your prophet's going to heal him, he's going to touch him. So the king of Israel thinks what we all would think, am I God? <laughs> this man's wanting to quarrel with me. Who can heal people of leprosy? So he sends Naaman over unto the prophet's house. And this is where we see this starting up right here. In verse 8 of chapter 5 in 2 Kings. And it was so when Elijah the man of God had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes. And he sent to the king saying, Wherefore has you rent your clothes? Let him come now to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Boy, I love that faith. I love that faith, church, don't you? Faith, hallelujah. That we may have faith today, hallelujah, like the men of old. 
So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots, and he stood at the door of the house of Elijah. His whole entourage pulls up, probably to the little wood hut of Elisha. And Elijah was so political, he jumped out there and he cleaned off his coat and he'd run out there and shook his hand. No. He wasn't worried about none of that. He was worried about the Lord. And Naaman showed up like a big spectacle because he thought that he was a great man. But the Lord had already told Elijah... This is what's on the outside you see, but this man's problem that he needs to be healed from is on the inside. Church, oftentimes what we think we need to be healed from, we think it's on the outside, but really it's an internal problem. That was Israel's greatest problem when the Lord showed up. I said it this morning. They were looking for David. They were looking for the Messiah. You know what the Messiah is going to do? The Messiah is going to come back, amen, and he's going to be on horses, and you know what? We're going to be with him. Y'all ready for a horse ride? Huh? That's what it says. It says he's going to come and he's going to shout. And he's going to take the Antichrist and the false prophet, and he's going to throw them into the lake of fire, amen? It says we're going to come back with him riding on horses, the Messiah, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. That's what's going to happen. That's what Israel was looking for. They were looking for a political man to come back and to overtake the government and to set them back in the right place so that they would rule and reign others. But the Lord said, I will come back and I will set up my government and I will do all those things. But first, there is some healing that has to occur and the healing is within your heart. It's within you. That needs to be healed. Your waters need to be healed. It's not just your physical body. It's not just the place that you live. It's within. It's your heart. Because it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And verse 9 says this. So he came with his horses and with his chariot. And he stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto I love this. I love this. We read this like it's this big building like this. Church, it was a little hut. It probably was like a little two-room deal. Come on, we got hunting camps probably bigger than what the prophets were in. He sends a messenger outside. There probably wasn't no windows. It's probably got like a little cut thing with a little sheet or something there. He sends the messenger outside. Mm. He sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall come again unto you, and you shall be made clean. He tells him there is a river near here that is flowing. There's a source of flowing near here. And if you will have the faith to wade off into those waters, and you will have the faith to obey the word of the Lord, and you will wash yourself in those waters, even though you may not understand them, you will be made whole. And his response is this in verse 11, But Naaman was 
wrought. Church, how many times have we sought a physical healing or something and God said, you know what, it's just not for you right now. There's a lot greater healing that needs to happen in your heart first. Amen? He was wroth, he was angry, and he went away and said, Behold, this is the key verse here, I thought. (laughs) Who's filled with the Spirit in the house tonight? Y'all remember when you got filled? How'd you think it was going to (laughs) happen? Did it happen that way? Probably not. He says, I thought. I thought he would surely come out to me, and he would stand and he would call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Come on, this man was a dreamer. He was a lot like me. A little bit dramatic. I had this all dreamed up in my mind. This is how it was going to happen. Heaven was going to move and the clouds were going to strike and God was going to speak from the heavens. He sends a messenger out there. (laughs) Go tell that man 10 feet out the door out there that uh, go wash in the river. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Don't miss this. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. People often look at the blood of Christ as something nasty, as something dead, as something that could not ever possibly bring life. But God says, you may not understand it and it may look dirty and nasty to you but I am telling you through my word this is the path this is the way that you will be healed not what you thought he leaves his servants came near verse 13 and spoken to him and said my father if the prophet had bid you go do some great thing would you not have done it How much rather than when he says to you, wash and be clean. He basically tells him this. Now, Master, if he would have told you to go find the dragon and slay the dragon, wouldn't you have done that? Wouldn't you went on this great adventure and done exactly what he said? But he's simply telling you, go and wash in the river and be clean. Why don't you go and try that? Why don't you have faith in what he said? And verse 14 says this, Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Hallelujah. I don't know how quickly he was clean. But like I said this morning, probably that first, second, third time, it didn't do nothing. But I want to think probably about that fourth, fifth time, amen, he was starting to see a change. It was starting to get a little closer. And finally, on that seventh time, on that perfect time, he was washed, he was cleaned, hallelujah, by the Lord. Praise the Lord, amen. Isn't that a beautiful story? Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles now to 
2 Kings chapter 7. I don't have time to go through all this tonight. Let me just tell you the story. There were lepers that were outside of the city. Samaria was being besieged. And it was so much to the point that women were eating their own children. Can you imagine? A woman comes to the king and says, King, I have need of something. And he says, What shall I give unto you out of the storefront and the front or the back? The storehouse out front of the storehouse out back, he was giving her a little smart comment like, we're all starving here. There's nothing that I can give you. There's nothing I can help you. She says, well, let me tell you what we just did. Me and this woman that stayed together, we were hungry, and we both have babies. She says, the deal was that today we were going to take my son, kill him, and boil him, and eat him, my Lord. And then tomorrow we were going to take her son and kill her son and eat him. We did that to my son, but now she has taken her baby son and she has hid him from me. Church, the evilness. The king is totally wroth. He rents his clothes. He's totally devastated by the conduct of his people and how far away from God they had become. Elisha, the man of God, he says, I shall put his head upon a stick. Amen. I'm going to kill him because he blames him for this happening. But there are four lepers that are outside. And it basically says this in verse 3 of chapter 7, 2 Kings. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? These men were not allowed into the city because they were lepers. In fact, in that day and time, when someone would come around, they were lepers, they would have to cover their mouth, they would have to begin to move away, and they would have to say, unclean, unclean. They were not allowed to get around anyone. Inside of the city is famine and starvation and death. Inside of them is famine and starvation and death. They're lepers. Outside where they were living was famine, starvation, and death. All around them, come on, this isn't like the first situation of the healing of the waters of Jericho. The place was not pleasant. The place was not great. Just the ground was barren, but there was death all around them. This was not like Naaman who had a problem on the inside even though he was living in the palace. But literally everywhere around them, you see their future was going to be death unless they were healed. But they come to the place and point and position, they ask themselves the the question, why are we sitting here and allowing ourselves to die? So they make the decision to get up, and to go into the enemy's camp. Come on, somebody tonight. We're going to go, and we're going to take back. We're going to take our future back. And the Bible says that he made their footsteps sound like chariots, sound like a great army. 
Boom, 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 boom. Four lepers. Come on, they was probably almost crawling to get over there. But the Lord anointed them. The Lord touched them. The Lord went before them as they were seeking their healing, seeking their future. The Lord went before them. And it says all of the men of the great army rose up with fear and they fled the scene. They literally ran out from their tents even without their clothes on. It says some of them was naked. They just run around screaming, the army's coming, they're coming to get us, they're coming to kill us. And when they got to the enemy's camp, they were able to go into one tent after the other and spoil the goods that the Lord alone had given them. You see, if they would have stayed where they were, they would have died. But when they chose to get up by faith and say, why must we sit here until we die? The Lord went before them. And they didn't just stop there. They looked at each other and said, now we have future. Now we don't have to die. We have tomorrow. Those people in the town, they hated us. They wouldn't even let us in their midst, but it's not right for us to sit here and not tell them about the future we now have so that they may have future. Church, are you with me tonight? They went back and they told the king, and the king thought they were lying. The king says, well, I'll just send a few horses. We don't eat most of them. That's what they said. You can read it. I'll send a few horses to check out your story. And then the whole town, there's a prophecy that was given by Elijah that says, basically, you're going to be able to buy bread for a shekel. And come on, you could have bought bread for, you could have bought bread for 50 gold pieces at that point. But today, you're going to be able to buy bread for a shekel at the gate. What a great prophecy, amen? Far-fetched. Come on, it's just like our healing. It's no different. And it says they went out and they spoiled the army. And they was able to sell the provision at the gate, amen, for a shekel. So that future was before them. Now, church, I want to tell you tonight... I started off with this earlier. God has a desire to heal you. That's something we need to get in our consciousness. We need to get into our spirits. We often have this approach of God like he's sitting up on the throne with a baseball bat, waiting on us to mess up. Come on, that's not the God we serve. Now, God's not going to bless you in your sin. Me and Brother Kyle was talking about this after Wednesday night service the other night. He's not going to bless you in your sin. He don't condone your sin, amen? But if you're still His, you're still saved. He's going to constantly try and draw you back, amen? God has a desire to heal you. It's His will to heal you. In Matthew chapter 8, you'll remember the story. It's like the first, second, or third verse. There's a leper that comes to the Lord. And the leper basically tells our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he says, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. And Jesus reaches out to him, and as he's reaching out, he says, 
I will. And it says the man was made whole from that very moment. God has a desire to heal you. It was so great inside of Christ. It tells us in John 7 and 37, it says on the last day, the day of the great feast, that Christ stood. See, he couldn't hold it in anymore within him. On the last day of the great feast, it would be up to 300,000 people there that would descend upon Jerusalem. And it's not telling how many people were gathered around. It was a great outpouring of God's people as they would come for the feast. But the high priest would walk up the temple mountain. He would go up the steps and he would go up into the pool of Shalom. And as he would go up there, as he would come to that pool, he would basically pour out that water. And when Jesus saw it, he knew what it signified. And Jesus just couldn't hold it within himself anymore. Amen. He knew what was in him. He knew what was to come. He knew what God wanted to do to his people. And Jesus stands up amongst all those people and it says he Cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believes upon me, as the scripture hath saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. But the very next verse tells us that this spoke he of the Spirit that was not yet given, because Christ had not yet been glorified. Church, I want to tell you tonight, He's been crucified. He is glorified. Hallelujah. And when Christ died on that cross, amen, the Holy Spirit, amen, has been released and He dwells within me and He dwells within you and out of our bellies, amen, shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. It's a source. It's a cistern that we're hooked up to tonight, amen, and it never runs dry. Hallelujah. tells us in Revelations 22 and 17 it says the spirit of God the power source of God the third person of the Trinity the Holy Spirit the spirit the spirit of God the Holy Spirit the spirit and the bride church who's the bride you The Spirit of God cries. The bride cries. The Spirit and the bride saith, Come, and let everyone that heareth come, and let him that is athirst, him that is thirsty, come, and whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. Church, that is for you and I to come and drink of the water. Come on, do you believe in the healing tonight? Amen. Church, I'm going to ask you to come up front. All of you. And if you want to sit, you can sit up here in the first couple rows if you can't stand very long. If y'all would, it's only about 30 of us here tonight. Y'all just, y'all just come and let's just, let's just... Gather around up here in the front tonight. Church, I don't know the needs tonight. 